Hello, I'm Toby Haydoke. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I try to guess what my special guest's favourite thing about their nominated Doctor Who episode is. Hello, Toby. Peter Ware here, Deputy Editor of Doctor Who magazine. The story I've chosen for you is, I think, one of the lesser-known stories in, in the Doctor Who canon. The story I'm talking about is The Highlanders. Well, welcome back. Assuming I've done this correctly, you have just heard the voice of Peter Ware telling you we're watching The Highlanders. That's just so that you feel familiar enough with him that when he gives his reason for forcing me to watch four episodes of Doctor Who I barely know that don't actually exist, uh, you will feel comforted by and, and familiar with his presence so you don't uh, as I currently used to do, want to smash his face into a million bits. Uh, no, Peter is one of the nicest men imaginable, but he has chosen The Highlanders, uh, which I am now going to watch episode two of. Uh, you're welcome to join me or just listen to me and I will try and conjure the pictures as best I can, which is frankly all any of us can do at the moment uh, because of its current state or lack thereof. So, uh, if you are watching uh, one of the very clever recons of this that uh, that are t tottering about on the fringes of uh, uh, of the universe, uh, please press play in three, two, one. Okay. Uh, well, here we are. It's, uh, and obviously, I'm going to try and um, sort of describe what's going on as well. I think that can sometimes cover cover the silences because I feel less bad because this is a story is there a more unfamiliar story because of course when the when the history of Doctor Who was written and for a fan of my age it was in uh, the Radio Times 20th anniversary special and Doctor Who a celebration I think Ian Levine did a story by story breakdown in the Radio Times thing and J. Jeremy Bentham in Doctor Who a celebration um, and those I poured over time and time again and my I mean I can still I can still remember phrases from those um reviews they weren't so much reviews as there was a bit of plot a paragraph of plot and a paragraph of history in in doctor who a celebration which uh you know floated my boat particularly it was a it was a very clever balance it's a brilliant book uh, i credit it with uh transforming me from a you know a kid who liked doctor who to a fan who knew it started the day after john f kennedy was assassinated and that he wasn't really called doctor who he was never referred to as doctor who, except in episode two of the war machines where he was called doctor who, but the production team uh, admitted that was, was you know all of that sort of stuff was uh, that roger delgado's full name was roger mario cesar de castillo rodriguez did whatever it was you know it had all of that stuff it was it was so good um but those histories it's interesting because I was thinking just before I started, what are the stories we sort of know the least? I was thinking maybe the savages, maybe this, maybe even the smugglers. Um, uh, but the but the savages, you know, that's that's st uh, Peter Purvis's last story. The Highlanders is Fraser Hines's first story, and that history was sort of plotted in a way that you know you'd get to a story and it go. Jamie joins the TARDIS in this story or Ben and Polly leave in this story or, you know, Joe Grant joins in this story. So the savages, it was enough to know about. It was that it was Stephen's last story. The Highlanders, of course, I nearly said Natch then and I stopped myself and I'm very glad I did, uh, was Jamie's first story. And that was at that stage, 
that was sort of all anybody needed to know. And I didn't really know the story of this until the book came out. Um, and, you know, it was, yeah, it was Jamie's first story and the last historical. Algernon Finch is is actually n nastier than I'd remembered. He's, he's horrible here. And I, I remember this because I remember um, the discontinuity guide. Uh, listing as a, a, a you know a mistake that uh, he he uh, he threatens them with what three hundred lashes, which would be pretty bad. Uh, and they say, and the, I remember laughing out loud as a student, one of my housemates asking me what I was laughing at because, in in the discontinuity guide, they say, um, you know, in the novelization, uh, Davis uh, reduces this to a less terminal six, which is <laughs> a nice turn of phrase. Uh, but it, I think that's part of the joke because he offers he he threatens somebody. 500 lashes a bit later but anyway I'd, I'd remembered being him a bit more of an upper class twit which he is but but he's actually he's actually pretty horrible um at this juncture whereas i remembered being rather fond of him so maybe he he undergoes a transmogrification as a result of um polly running the rings around him so i'd be interested to see that because at the moment he's not a likable fellow at all uh and is involved in some lovely exterior night filming, which is always a favourite of mine because I just think it really helps with the, the atmosphere. And of course, being an historical story, uh, uh, you know, which isn't relying on monsters and big spangly sets, it's going to rely very much on, on atmosphere and, and the night filming will help with that. Um, uh, um, so, yes, how how unknown is this? I mean, if if... Here we have Polly and Kirsty have fallen into a pit and now Algernon Finch has followed them in. And, oh, we've got a, a, a screen uh, subtitle telling us we're in Inverness. They don't happen in Doctor Who very often. I know there's one in The Reign of Terror because it comes before the episode title when they're in Paris, I think. And it will, I always think, well, that's surely what the story's called then, if that's the title that comes first. Um, so we're in Inverness. Uh, interesting that we get a, an on-screen title. I wouldn't have known that. Um I, these sets look very good. Jeffrey Kirkland is the set designer. He was on my list because uh, he he used to uh, live with uh, Ridley Scott, Malcolm Middleton and Daryl Blake, I think. Or they were certainly all muckers. Daryl Blake, who directed The Stones of Blood, who started off as a designer. Ridley Scott, who was a designer at the BBC, nearly designed for the, Doctor Who, the second Doctor Who story, The Daleks, uh, but never did design for Doctor Who. Uh, and Malcolm Middleton, who goes on to direct uh, The Abominable Snowmen. And Kirkland and Middleton, Malcolm Middleton's been an art director for for Jeff Kirkland on a lot of his movies because Jeffrey Kirkland has had a fantastic Hollywood career and lives in America. And thankfully, because of the Faceless Ones DVD, we were able to, to get a link and we've done an episode commentary on the Faceless Ones DVD with Jeffrey Kirkland. So it was my pleasure to have a chat with him, which was lovely because uh, he was definitely a scalp I would have liked to have claimed and uh, and and did, um, but but and I think they're still friends with Ridley Scott. Um, but Jeffrey Kirkland, who designed this and the Faceless Ones only, uh, has had a terrific uh, international film career. Um, look him up on IMDb. He's done some some amazing movies. Uh, worked with Alan Parker a lot. Um, did he do, am I going to commit and say he did uh, Bugsy Malone? Did Children of Men? All sorts. Um, 
the companions have a good time. I feel a bit sorry for Donald Bissett, who uh, who plays the Laird, who was uh, uh, a respected actor and I think a writer of children's storybooks and was still around and acting, as quite a lot of the cast of this were. When I was sort of noticing actors in things, Bissett turned up and Sidney Arnold, I think they both turned up in Poirot. Sidney Arnold, who plays Perkins, who will come to later. But Donald Bissett, I don't think, says for him. He spends most of time being a bit poorly. So I look forward to him getting a few lines. I love this this prison set, though, um, uh, with everybody underneath and the, and the sentries looking down. It's It seems to me, and of course we don't know, but from the pictures that we can see, the 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 grimness of the jail with a G. Um, I'm spelling it like that anyway. Um, oh, and the subtitles just come along that also has. Um, Troughton's having an awful lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting how he doesn't um, uh, dress up as much after this. They they sort of it looks like this is. And he impersonates the, uh, the the investigator, doesn't he? In uh, uh, the examiner in Power of the Daleks, uh, and he impersonates a Doctor Von Vere and a washerwoman and a redcoat in this. You go, oh, okay, this is a a hat coveting uh, disguise man. Uh, oh, and he dresses up as a funny some sort of some sort of um, fortune teller vagabond in the uh, in the market in Atlantis doesn't he but they 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 gradually get rid of that i wonder if because tran i think is a brilliant actor i think i think he's he's faultless he's always believable but he's always sprinkles everything with a little bit of pixie dust and magic um i but but i wonder if people had a word and went look you you're good enough you don't need to overcompensate you don't need to do too much and i have to say who i think uh i love ben and polly and I and it saddens me because I I like Jamie a lot, um, but the arrival of Jamie means that Ben and Polly really don't get much of a stab. They start so promisingly with the war machines, um, and the smugglers, which again is one of those ones that thankfully nobody has picked yet. So so if any friends of mine are watching, waiting to choose a story for me, give me a break. I'm on. I'm. I will have watched. 11 Trouton episodes and only one of them will have had moving pictures. So J. Jeremy Bentham, who, whose work I so admired, I, I reached out to. Uh, and he's, he's he's nominated Marco Polo. Come on, guys. Give me a I thought everybody would be choosing, you know, the robots of death and the talents of Wen Chiang and the, the seeds of doom. And, I don't <laughs> but... Uh, um. And when these um, when these telesnaps were in Doctor Who magazine, they didn't use them all. They only used some of them. I think latterly I learned that I think it's because Hugh David charged them per picture. I might have got that wrong. So they could they could only choose a few. And it was an I think it was in an historical summer special. That was the theme. Uh, I think they interviewed Julia Smith as well, who directed The Smugglers. That was the theme of the magazine. It was a brilliant edition. That sort of stuff. I lived in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. When that sort of when you came home from the shop with that i mean i read them over and over and over again um now here are our three fun villains i'll go i'll return to ben and polly remind me you can't you're not here um apologies if i start a thought and finish it i think it's important that i keep talking because i've listened back to a couple of these going around the park which makes me physically sick i, I don't like listening to my own voice but i have to do a bit of quality control uh and uh, the silence is 
are quite frustrating. It's right for you watching. You you know, you get to see the old. Uh, you know, yeah, no. There's at least there's a, there's a visual distraction, and I'm assuming if you've got the video on, you might be watching the episode too. In which case, hello, welcome to my house. But if you're listening, hello wherever you are. Welcome to your bus journey to work. Tom Bowman as the sentry um, went to the states in the end, I think. But again, he's he's. Uh, long dead, but it's, it's not a bad sentry part. You wish he'd been given uh, uh, perhaps a name. Uh, that's what I'd have been angry if got me agent say, can't we at least call him Jim? Um, but what I like here is actually he, he's doing the sort of coughing thing and give me a bit of money. Um, Polly nicks Finch's money. I think Finch a bit later on, doesn't he, that uh, uh, he, has to, he has to say to the sergeant, look, I'll give you, some, get me out of this pit, but I'll give you some money later. Everyone is a bit of a rogue. There is nobody in this who money cannot buy. And yet it's not po-faced about it at all. Uh, you, you sort of enjoy the fact that everybody hangs around to get their tip uh, or to get a bit of cash. Uh, and it's rather fruity, which I, which I quite enjoy. Uh, it's a particular, it's a particular sort of genre of, uh, uh, of characterization um uh, but uh the three villains here who doc the doctor has great fun with because they're all they're all quite nicely and, and and largely drawn david garth uh who is uh the time lord in episode one of terror of the autons is the main villain and he's it's the main guest stars as billed in the radio times are david garth and hannah gordon rising star hannah gordon uh, uh, it's it's with Troughton is a very versatile and good character actor. Yet his his German accent in this, and I know it's a comic one. And also, by the way, my pet hate is lazy critics who go, uh, "The accent wasn't very good." And quite often, uh, it's my it's it's one of my favourite things to do is go. But you're picking on an actor who actually speaks in that accent, and you just don't know that because you're a lazy critic. Um, uh, uh, and that and that happens quite a lot. I say it's my favourite thing. I don't do anything about it. I haven't got time to have those conversations. But <laughs> um, but I Troughton is going for the comic German, and also he, he, he's occasionally not too far away from Salamander, who's supposed to be from from Mexico. Uh, so it reminds me of the the great John Gielgud anecdotes when he was doing something in a in a in a play. And uh, he was putting on this, and somebody went, "Oh, Sir John, that's a uh, uh, you, 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 how uh, you know how have you uh, studied to get uh, this particular accent? Is that uh, you know is that B Bavarian, or does it have influences of this or that or the other? And, you know this great sort of obsequious sort of wow, you know how how did you?" And at the end, yeah, Gilgood just goes, uh, "It's just general stage foreign." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, there were many, many years where you could do that, where just any old accent would do, do so long. Which is why in Marco Polo, I'm sure I will talk at great length about the Czechoslovakian Kublai Khan. Uh, <laughs> uh, Troughton has great fun here. Troughton, and I mean now the doctor, um, uh, uh, sort of runs rings around these villains and it's very enjoyable. Um uh even you know that even though they're up to sort of quite serious stuff but but perkins is a comic stooge as evidenced by the fact he's played by sydney arnold who was a very short uh comic actor um as i say who was still doing stuff in in the 80s i think he was still 
I, he lived into the 90s, I think, and into his 90s and was, was still going. And I love this. <laughs> it's horrible. And I don't know how they did it because, it, I mean, you hear the bang, don't you, when he whacks his head on. <laughs> he thwacks his head on the table. It's delightful because Tr Troughton is such a brazen doctor. Uh, he, he bluffs his way through. And I love that about the doctor is that, you know, he'll go into a situation uh, with nothing but bravado and a quick wit uh, and he will get through it. And sometimes because the, the villains are, 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 you know, pliable halfwits uh, and Perkins and Sidney Arnold are, are, are great examples of that. But the banging the head on the table, I mean, is delightful and the, the, the telesnaps capture it beautifully. Um, but you hear his head bang, so I don't know. I don't know how they did that. But Sidney Arnold has one of my favourite lines in the film. He's in a great film called Top Secret, which is created by. Uh, 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 it's a sort of it's a war film done by the team behind, or some of the team behind the airplane movies. So it's got those a lot of those sort of you know obvious movie gags, those fourth wall breaking, and some very you know very. Uh, 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 I'm not going to say poor jokes because they're great jokes, but they're they're corny jokes uh, and they're beautiful. Uh, that sort of stuff really appeals. Uh, and, and Top Secret is an under-celebrated uh, cousin to Airplane, and it has uh, Hugh Fitzwilliam uh, 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 and from from the King's Demons, and oh, who was also Professor Morehouse in uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, Christopher Villiers. Uh, he's in it. Uh, there's a few Doctor Who people in it. Uh, actually, Richard May is from Fury from the Deep. Um, it's got, it's got, it's because it, it, it was filmed. Uh, if it wasn't filmed here, it was filmed with uh, certainly with English actors. Um, and and one of the jokes is the French Resistance, who are made up of people called things like déjà vu. Have we not met before, Monsieur? They hide out at the potato farm, uh, and uh, at one point, I th is it they, they knock on the door, uh, and uh, the. the the, the farmer, who is Sidney Arnold, opens the door or opens a hatch in the door and they go, is this the potato farm? And he says, yes, I am Mr. Potato. <laughs> Which tickles me. <laughs> I like I, I like the engagement here between uh, Algernon, uh, who is in the pit, uh, and his sergeant, who's going... It's a, who's a very Peter Welch doing a very sergeant voice, you know, doing that. Uh, it's a, we know exactly who that character is. It's a, a, a stalwart of this sort of genre. But uh, go, yes, I'll let you up. But uh, and he's sort of he's being insolent. He's being insubordinate, but in a polite way, which means that Algernon can't do anything about it. And, and so he sort of royally takes the mickey out of his superior. And it and it makes for a nice interchange. Uh, and and it, and it helps to set up Algernon as this guy who's because of his misfortune um you know finds himself uh, uh, easily manipulated um which is a nice little sort of it's a nice little subplot the finch subplot um uh and his yes yeah, so his uh, barb is it barbara bruce she's called as the Molly, Molly, the uh, the the kitchen. I'll use the parlance of the time. The kitchen wench. You wouldn't say that now. Uh, I love the picture of Troughton sticking his head through the curtains. He has such a glorious face, and he's clearly. I mean, we can't see it, but he's clearly having an absolute whale of a time. 
uh, and he's you know and he's a he's a bit of a thief <laughs> you know he's a, he's he's a, yeah he's a, he's he's as roguish as everybody else actually this is a story for this doctor because uh, he you know he is uh, he manipulates people and he's he's cheeky and look he looks absolutely fantastic in the uh, in the washerwoman gear um and i don't think there's enough i don't think we get enough patrick Troughton in drag um john we get john pertwee in the green death don't we <laughs> now sh shall we talk about captain trask who is the pirate captain except as part of the plot it is revealed he was originally the first mate of Willie Mackay, who I think we meet next episode. Uh, and Willie Mackay sort of like this, this traitor, he was my first mate and now he's this evil, you know, he's, he's, he took over my ship and, you know, held me prisoner. But Captain Trask talks like a pirate. So, and, and it's, this is a thing, do we get this anymore where, I mean, he, he talks like Robert Newton, uh, who's the famous Long John Silver uh, on film, which Patrick Troughton was in, actually. Um, but it's, it's interesting how, how some performance could, performances could be so indelible that, that Robert Newton is Long John Silver and uh, uh, Laurence Olivier as Richard III, you know, John Ringham in the Aztecs as, as Tlatoxel. Uh, certainly... Uh, uh, you know, certainly tips and tips a wink channels a, a bit of the Olivier's. I think Tatoxel though is a really good performance, and I I totally believe him. But that malevolence, the hun hunchbacked, uh, 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 sort of slightly snapped, uh, lizard-like uh, sort of gait and voice is 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 very much of the Olivier Richard the Third. Uh, in fact, people, you know, sort of say now that's a bit Richard the Third, but what they mean is Olivier as Richard the Third, and and Captain Trask is very much Robert Newton as Long John Silver, played by Dallas Cavell, who has already had a bit of fun in Doctor Who because he's the roadworks overseer in the Reign of Terror, who the Doctor hits over the head with a spade in a great moment of um, a, a comic serious assault. Uh, <laughs> Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, more water in boats. They, I mean, I know they did a lot of this on on film, but there's a lot of uh, actual practical water, and these sets are great. I mean, again, from what one can discern from the pictures, but I'm I'm being transported perhaps m more than I thought I would have been, which I think opens the story out a little bit, which means that. This sort of fun little romp may have felt a little bit more sort of exciting um, because because it's not perhaps as, as cosy as and as confined. You know, we've all seen Doctor Who stories told on, you know, two or three sets that 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 and that can be very claustrophobic. But this seems a, this seems a little bit more epic in, in that sense with the amount of the amount of time we, we spend in in boats and things. Um and so so that's that's a bit of a pleasant surprise to me um but yeah dallas cavell had been the roadworks overseer he'd also been in the daleks master plan as one of the prisoners uh, on the planet desperus 
Bores, he's called, um, uh, which <laughs> it's hopefully it's his name, but also hopefully not a description of what I'm what I do to you in these. Uh, uh, see another boat that looks great, um, and lots of fog. There's lots of fog. I mean, you can see that from the still pictures. Uh, looks marvellous. Belay there, you swabs. I mean, one cannot blame uh, Dallas Cavell for the ripeness of his performance because it's there in the script. Uh, he's a bit more, um, I would say he's a bit less colourful, um, almost slightly wooden in, in The Ambassadors of Death as Sir James Quinlan. Uh, and then he's he's got a bit to do in episode one of Castrovalva. So Dallas Cavell is a great uh, regular player in Doctor Who. And I remember when he died, um, Doctor Who magazine said before he died, uh, Dallas, real name, uh, N.D. Lefebvre. He was he was called Norman Dallas Cavell, actually. I don't know where they got the Lefebvre from. Perhaps that's a family name. Uh, completed a, a Beyond the TARDIS interview, which will appear in a future issue of Doctor Who magazine. And it never did. Hello, Doctor Who magazine. In fact, hang on, this has been set to me by the assistant editor of Doctor Who magazine. I'll watch the Highlanders if you run that ancient, unprinted interview with Dallas Cavell. He was in five Doctor Who stories. Um, and I would love to hear him talk about uh, his performance as Captain Trask, uh, amongst many other things. So, look, that was the end of episode two. Um, thank you, Alexa. Well, I didn't ask for her opinion. Leave me alone. Um, I, I think this is all part Thanks of... So I can learn from my mistakes. I, did you hear me say anything bad to her? I didn't. I, I think this is just part of her plan. Anyway, uh, we're all getting ready for that day when the machine stops. Um, now, listen. Uh, oh, I've got to choose my favourite thing. For, oh, well, it's going to be the scene where uh, the Doctor smacks Perkins' head on the table. Because I think that's very funny. Uh, two lovely actors doing lovely, silly things. Um, and yeah, there is a sense of fun uh, amongst the grimness, and I love I love the grimness of what looks like the production design and the, and the, the production. So to have it have colourful characters in it, including the Doctor himself, uh, makes this perhaps you know Doctor Who's version of a, a sort of boys over adventure, which gives it that sort of colourful character twist, which means it's not just like yet another production of Moonfleet or 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 whatever you know those those sorts of things that were a staple of uh, of, of 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 tv drama you know it, it adds the doctor who sprinkle to it what has peter on a beautiful sunny day uh, his very her suit as well what has he chosen as his favorite thing of episode 2 of the highlanders episode 2 well the thing i love about episode 2 is dr von Vare doing some doctoring uh, that is dr von Vare taking first of all solicitor gray the, the wicked solicitor gray grabbing him stuffing a handkerchief in his mouth shoving him in the closet and then dishing out some rather naughty treatment to perkins solicitor gray's solicitor as well by bashing his head against the table and convincing him he's got headaches it's a brilliant scene uh, and patrick troughton is he's just having the time of his life in fact the doctor's having the time of his life the doctor he, he just loves loves being in the Highlands of Scotland, even during such a dark, dark time, and he's just running rings around everyone, particularly in this episode, Solicitor Gray and Perkins. 
that's my choice for episode two, the doctor bashing up Perkins and shoving Solicitor Grey in the cupboard. Well, I think we're of a in accord. So uh, it's it's one all as we approach as as we hit the halfway mark of the Highlanders. I'm always secretly delighted. I'm not secretly. I'm telling you, it's no secret at all. I'm always delighted when uh, I concur with my guest because over the course of twenty five minutes, the chances are pretty slim. Uh, so good. So uh, it's it's one all. Uh, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens on uh, uh, on the on the Annabelle, is it on Captain Trask's ship as we go uh, into episode three next time? But um, thank you very much for listening, ye scurvy dogs, and I'll see you next time on Happy Times and Places. Ah. Thank you for listening to Ha 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 Pea Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Peter Ware. A hearty slap on the back to my shipmates, i.e. patrons, who include James Lark, David Matthewman, Rossum McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Melvin Pena, Keith Perry, Dylan Reese, John Rivers, Keith Say, Len Stewart, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Reynard Toombs, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, and Stephen White. The music for this podcast has been especially composed by Dave Gates. The podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson, and the thumbnails by Gavin Rymill. If you'd like to be on that list of names, go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. For as little as £3 a month, you can get advance and exclusive material, badges and all sorts of other stuff. You could do a one-off instead if you prefer, ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, or none at all. You're just welcome as listeners. But if you could rate and review these at all your favourite podcast outlets, that really helps to tickle my algorithms. Please follow me on my YouTube channel, Toby Haydoke. Go to my website, www.tobyhaydoke.com. And how about seeing the comedy stuff that I do every Tuesday at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. That's the comedy night excess malarkey that's been going for 24 years with me at the helm. And I introduce four special guests from around the worldwide comedy circuit. And we've been doing that online during lockdown to try and put a smile on your incarcerated faces. <laughs> why can't why can't we give performances like that anymore i don't think the world would be any worse a place if we ha 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 ha